0: This is the Book Riot Podcast, the weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 12. We're recording on Friday, July 26th. I'm Jeff O'Neill, and I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky. We're the editors of BookRiot.com. Rebecca, happy Friday.
1: Happy Friday, Jeff.
0: The rest of publishing may have summer Fridays off, but you and I are here in the coal mines chipping off bookish coal pieces. Bookish I, I, coal I, pieces, yeah, way yeah, to sell it. My my knowledge of coal mining fell apart on me there. Uh, <laughs> West Virginia, I'm out. That's all I
1: got. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, there will be no summer Fridays for us, technically. But no. I have to confess, I'm probably going to sit outside and read my book oh, this it's afternoon. Beautiful. It's gorgeous. Coming down
0: the eastern seaboard, uh, great reading weather all the time um, these days. So we got follow... We- we have kind of a bookish potpourri this week. We don't have a big meaty story or even a couple, but we've got a lot of little interesting morsels for you.
1: Yeah, a whole bunch of little tasty things here.
0: And that applies to our follow-up. We've got several pieces. Uh, I'll go first because I, I, I dropped this one in. So we've talked about JK rolling. I've been corrected now. I have to say rolling. They see me rolling. So yeah, rolling with the homies, um, which is how you say that. I, I can't do it. My American or Midwestern brain wants to do rowling. Mm -hmm. All the time. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But um, so as the cuckoo's calling fallout, such as it is, has uh, spread over the Internet, um, she spoke a little bit more about the selection, especially of her pen name, Robert Galreith, which I found. Did you look at this story at all? Yeah, this is like weird. And it's sort
1: of the most boring reveal ever. It's interesting
0: in its boringness, I guess. Right. I don't know. So, okay. So, Robert, she picked the first name because... Apparently Robert F. Kennedy was her is her hero. You got me. I, and, and also that she hadn't used Robert for a main character in any of the Harry Potter books. That's true. So anyway, that I'm that's surprised the there's first not time. like
1: a Bobby Weasley. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's like nine hundred Weasleys. You think one of them named <laughs> Robert? Uh, and then Galbraith was even more head scratching that she wanted as a child, she wanted to be called Ella Galbraith. And she has no idea why, but she remembers that. And so when it came time to cobble together her pseudonym, it was Robert Galbraith. So I don't know. I, that's so unsatisfying that it makes like – it gives its fodder for like conspiracy theorists, it, right?
1: Oh, it really is. Super, <laughs> I really wanted – I just to be, liked
0: it. Yeah, that's I not really, a satisfying
1: answer. Man, I wanted there to be a good story here. Like, yeah. okay, kids come up with weird things. So I believe that as a child, she just imagined someone named – Ella Galbraith, but I mean, really? Like I know. I learned this week that Erin Morgenstern is not Erin Morganstern's real name. You know
0: what? I meant to put that in here too. And I because yes. I saw the same thing. Do you and, know what a real name is or we're we not supposed to talk oh about? Oh man,
1: it? no, I did some Googles. It's on the Google, which I mean think okay.
0: it's fair game. Uh, okay. her real
1: name is Erin McCauley, and she chose Morganstern because oh, Princess, of Bride. Princess Bride. Right. That's a, that's
0: awesome. Yeah, because of uh, S. Morganstone. Morgenstern. Hmm.
1: Which, like, that is a good pseudonym yeah. story. Good job, Aaron Morgenstern. Bad mm. job, J.K. Rowling. Well,
0: you know when a uh, certain disgraced New York mayoral candidate has a better nom uh, pseudonym <laughs> than you do? And oh. she's so good with names, too. That's the other thing. It's like, it seems, I don't know. There's oh, Jeff, weird. I don't
1: know. Carlos Danger isn't better than anything.
0: But at least it's something. <laughs> it's not... I called myself Ella Galbraith as a kid and that's sort of where you let it I don't okay, so that's follow up from that. Uh, we'll link to the story there in the show notes. There's some other little tidbits about um the un, the unraveling of the Galbraith uh, facade. Uh, one of our first shows we talked about Harper Lee suing to get the rights to to kill a mockingbird back from her stepson agent i can't remember exactly some um tenuously related person and vanity fair has a really good long in-depth story about her dispute over the royalties and it's sad and oh it's so sad yeah (laughs) rebecca read to me a sentence from it that is so sad that we would break our mics if she read it right now Um, So we're not going to do that, but we'll put that in the show notes there too. Anything else to say about that uh, long story?
1: No. I think it's, you know, classic Vanity Fair. You're, you're looking at six really long pages uh, online. So maybe a great thing to bookmark, to pull out on your phone when you're right. sitting somewhere and you want yeah, something to read.
0: Yeah, if you're a pocket-type person, this is prime, uh, prime for that. Right, a
1: read-later sort of situation. Um, tons of detail there, and not just about the copyright battle, but more about what Harper Lee's life has been like um, since she has become one of those famously reclusive authors. And um, and also just tons of sad stuff. It's really sad, um, but sad mostly in the way that she's aging, and yeah. sad things happen to us when we when we age. But it just sucks that uh, that this is happening to the author of such an important book right. uh, so and, and late when, in her life.
0: And and when she's in the condition and she's least able to to fight on her own behalf. Right. So. Yeah.
1: I just want it to be resolved. I I would be terribly sad if this is the the last story, you know, in Harper Lee's life in the media. It would be great if, uh, if she won these rights back, and then something really awesome could happen yeah, for her, so that we yeah. can. Um,
0: okay, uh, one one bit of one more bit of follow up. We talked about oh, you and Andrew actually a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago talked about the resolution of the the antitrust case against Apple for price fixing, um, and some people have done some preliminary math about what the fine could be, and it's looking like it's going to be in the $500 million range. Oh, boy. Which sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. It's a lot of money.
1: Is it Uh, a lot of money to Apple?
0: It is not. I Uh, didn't think so. Apple has something like um, more than $125 billion just in cash. Oh, boy. So it's less than one half of 1% of uh, (laughs) Apple's cash reserves.
1: So it's a financial slap on the wrist.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, so... Again, we st- I still don't know where this money is going, and when I do get a sense of where the money will eventually go, um, we'll we'll do that in a follow-up too. It's it's not – we talked about this – or I think you – I can't remember if we talked about it or you and Andrew talked about it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's not a class action lawsuit, um, but it could be – there could be some sort of settlement where um, – the DOJ returns some of that to consumers, or yeah. maybe it just gets swallowed up and I building I think there's highways, like a
1: there's like a class action piece of it, so yeah. it's going it to be I, the
0: next piece. Actually, yeah, I think frankly, it's going to be, be the suit. the
1: thing like how a year or so ago everyone got an email that we were getting like a dollar seventy five from right. Facebook. Yeah, would be yeah. my my guess that if you bought eBooks from Apple's iBookstore, then you're this for gonna, an idea
0: rather than giving us all who bought books from Apple and eBooks in general like. 75 cents. What if we just all like gave it to libraries? Just give it to libraries.
1: I'm down with that.
0: Yeah. It's like it's going to It's a Snickers bar and a half for each of us that bought ebooks, But if you threw $500 million at some library projects, that would make some real difference. Anyway, just a free idea that will yeah. surely not be. Who can,
1: re- who can we write letters to to yeah. make that
0: happen? That's good. <laughs> right. Okay. So that's the end of follow-up.
1: We got sponsors. Sponsor.
0: Let's do it. You, you're up.
1: Yes, our our sponsor this week is Brilliance by Marcus Seiki. It's a thriller set in an alternate present day, uh, which is just a thing that I think is tons of fun. And um, in this alternate present day world, 1% of the population is born with a special gift. And those people are called brilliance, uh, sort of like X-Men, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like one of the characters can sense patterns in the stock market. One can turn invisible by being where no one is looking which I would like this power, uh, and normal people, quote-unquote normal people, have come to fear the brilliance differences and have, uh, you know, developed prejudices against them and sort of created social turmoil around it. So this really, like, this sounds like the X-Men setup to me, uh, but there's a federal agent named Nick Cooper whose gift makes him uh, very good at hunting terrorists, mm. uh, Good talent to have, I guess. Uh, but his latest target is also a brilliant and is responsible for mass murders, the way that a terrorist is, and might just be the most dangerous man alive. So you now, get that guy. You got us. So gotta, now gotta, it's gotta, sort you of send, like a, you gotta send your
0: top man after that guy.
1: Right. You've got uh, your your top brilliant terrorist and basically like the Jason Bourne of brilliant special agents going after him.
0: That uh, sounds like fun. And you know what? I was just looking at some of the press. Got a nice blurb. Nice yeah. blurb. Gillian Flynn. Some of you may have heard of this little book she wrote called Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. And she says, Brilliance is the kind of novel that makes you grin at its high-flying feats of an imagination and then grin harder because it sticks the landing. That's a nice blurb.
1: Ain't no blurb like a Gillian Flynn blurb. A- Gillian?
0: Gillian. I, mean, I screwed it up. Gollies, I. you know what? I got to stop podcasting. You just
1: no more. We'll, we'll just stop saying authors' <laughs> names. We're just going to give <laughs> we'll, that up.
0: We'll just we'll just do Morse code, so it'll be like a series of beeps when we're doing name.
1: Well, the, I mean, Jeff, the internet does love to tell us when we're wrong, so oh, we could just baby. we'll just drop those in. We're doing this intentionally, so you all have something to correct us. Yeah, anyway, on so or something.
0: Start. Brilliance also got a start review from Publishers Weekly, so that's brilliant. Yeah, that's something. That's brilliance. Check that out. Uh, you can find it on Amazon and uh, other places as well. What's um, the guy's last name? Seiki. Marcus Sakey, Sakey. Marcus Sakey. S-A-K-E-Y. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots
1: of good stuff. I've seen about it on um, book blogs as well, so it seems to be doing well. Nice-looking we'll cover. Nice yeah, we'll have a link too. for you in the show notes. That's cool. All
0: right, we right, let's run through these, like a hot knife through butter. Mm. Um, the big Book Riot post this week, uh, we did a survey asking readers to – tell us which books they have pretended to read and i found the results really interesting i always find these results interesting but yeah. this one i think was particularly interesting
1: it was you know um i'm i was the one who like went through all yeah, of the you responses did the data. here and the really entertaining part was that pe- a lot of people, like probably 50 to 100 people, and we had 828 usable responses. Mm-hmm. So you can add on top of that, like somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 100 more, who took the time to complete the survey, right. but to let us know. Right,
0: people actually did the survey, right. Right,
1: and then like another 50 or 100 um, took the time to fill it out to let us know that they would never lie about a book, um, about having read a book and there was lots there was a lot of interesting commentary in those response
0: <laughs> in those responses. We should about, have a we should have a field for moral outrage. Check this should. box. <laughs> check this <laughs> box for moral outrage.
1: We should. Uh there was a lot of moral outrage in that survey. Like, how is this even a survey? Yeah. Who would lie about a book? What kind of people would lie about having read a book? But I think, you know, there are all sorts of situations in which we might pretend either by omission or by outright right. stating that we've read a thing that we haven't read. Um so with these eight hundred and twenty readers. We had 412 unique titles Mm -hmm. listed. Um, And the number one book that readers had pretended to read, which got 85 mentions, so more than 10% of our responses, was Pride and Prejudice.
0: I I was really surprised by that one for a couple of reasons. One is that it's short, for one, and I was expecting these to be like, well, the next two, three, four, and five are all doorstops. Ulysses, Moby Dick, War and Peace and the Bible. The
1: Bible is a doorstop.
0: Yeah, so that those, are, I would expect you know, in some order, those to be top five. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these books are going to be ones that, you know, people talk about, because why else would you pretend to read a book unless there's you, you have lots of reasons, you know, opportunities to maybe think you want to have been thought to have read it. Boy, I don't know what happened to that sentence. Got away from you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm
1: not even sure what Yeah, you're I don't saying. know.
0: We'll diagram it. that later. It'll take another two and a half hour podcast to figure that out. Um, so that one was... That one was the most surprising. Why do you think that? Why do you think that one people you know, are are lying about? I'm
1: surprised. Excuse that
0: me, people, pretending. Right,
1: right. You know. Pretending and yeah. lying are definitely <laughs> different. Right. Um, I think. I mean, my best guess connects back to um, the list of books that people hated most frequently, and, uh. and that has to do with books that are assigned in school. Um, several, like a lot of people, answered their. Survey and then told us why they had pretended. So I got, I saw a lot of like Pride and Prejudice, but I totally got an A on the paper that I wrote using Cliff Notes. I
0: see. Right, there was uh, practical reasons to fake your way uh, through.
1: Right, a lot of people pretended to have read things for school, Um, but the there were only three of these top twenty titles. Only three of them are contemporary listings. Everything else is what would be considered a classic.
0: So the three Um, contemporary ones are Infinite
1: Jest by oh, right. David yeah. Foster Wallace,
0: 1993. Sure. the Harry
1: Potter series, mm-hmm. and wait for it, Fifty, 50 Shades. Shades of Grey. We
0: can't do a list without that thing popping up.
1: And yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey, I think, is right on what you were just saying, that people pretend to have read something because other people are talking yeah.
0: about it. Um, that was and, the one and, I was most su- surprised to see for Contemporary, just because what we've seen on the site, and people talking about it on various social media outlets, is like, uh, let's say an eagerness to say you haven't read. It, right? Like <laughs> right, it's and almost we'll, a point of pride for people to next month's they survey haven't
1: read it. is which books are you embarrassed to admit? that I've you've got read. one for
0: you, but I'm going to save it for next week. All right, I've got I've got one that I, I I I no longer lie about, but I did lie that I had read it. But I, I used to pretend that I didn't, or at least let's say I wasn't super forthcoming that uh, I ah. had read it. It's a series, actually. So I let <laughs> you. That's a, that. You know what we call that in the business? You know twelve episodes in I can say the business the business biz- uh, right we call it a teaser. We call it a teaser. Do you have some? Don't tell me, do you have some that you've ever pretended not to have read? Um, at some time you're like it doesn't be right now. Oh, I don't know. Right? Is that the idea of the survey like not right now you're pretending right. not to have read but, but at some, some point, point, point would, ever okay.
1: I'll have to think about, think about that. that. The one that I've pretended to have read was for, for school. The one I really remember pretending to have read was for school, and it was Brave New World, Uh-huh. which I will confess I have still never gone back and read. Uh, Uh, But it was the last book of my senior AP English class in high school, and seniors didn't have to take the final if we had an A going in. Nice. So I just, and the whole final was going to be Brave New World. So why, at that point, with massive senioritis, why would I read a book that I didn't have to take a test on? I don't
0: think I've ever overtly sort of said, oh yeah, I've read that. Um, But when I started grad school, uh, and I was nervous as... A uh, 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 an injured mouse in a room full of cats. Um I, I sort of let people maybe think I had read something. Does mm-hmm. <laughs> that make sense?
1: Yeah, it's sort of that lie by omission. Yeah,
0: like you know, or had I knew a little bit enough about it to comment on it or something like that, but I never I don't think I ever actually said um, oh yeah, I read that book or something like that when it actually wasn't the case. But mm-hmm. I am not above reproach because I certainly have done the you know N- the the knowing head nod and Lip bite, you know, That sort of right. suggests I know what someone's <laughs> talking about.
1: Oh, I am familiar with that. Yeah, name.
0: okay. All right, let's do new books. Speaking of books, so these are books you have pretended to have read. These books are ones you might want to read. So tell us about some of
1: them. We got some variety this week. You
0: do? I just <laughs> looked at it. I'm uh, trying
1: to ring everyone's bells okay, now. Okay, do it. Uh, the first one is called And Sons by David Gilbert, and the and is an ampersand, which uh, that's a whole other can of worms, apparently, like online search engines and book uh, retailers are having uh, well, you know
0: a- but as someone with an apostrophe in their last name, I can tell you how non-standard... Uh It just screws everything up. Right. So,
1: And Sons by David Gilbert uh, starts off at a funeral of uh, of, a fancy man on Manhattan's Upper East Side. And this funeral would have been an otherwise sort of unremarkable affair, uh, notwithstanding the 200-word obituary he got in the New York Times. But there is a notoriously reclusive author named A.N. Dyer present, and his novel Ampersand, which might... Uh, explain the presence of an ampersand in the book uh-huh. title uh, is apparently a classic of American teenage angst. So I guess a, a fictional version of Salinger. Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. Uh, and this guy is maybe a Salinger stand in. Uh, so this reclusive author, A.N. Dyer, delivers the eulogy for Charles Henry Topping. Um, but as he is delivering this eulogy, he suffers a breakdown over the life that he's led and the people that he's hurt. and um, And this novel that is going to be his legacy. And now he's going to gather his three sons for the first time in a long time before it's too late and I guess try to make something else of his legacy and put Oh,
0: I'm in on this, together. boy.
1: Right. This is like this is a book that uh, as our friend Josh would say is aimed right at your
0: face. It is right. It's coming at me. First of all, Salinger avatar, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, I think I talked about last week that these like gathering the family together after a long time or friends like that's. Oh yeah, my, yeah,
1: we talked about that. A that's couple one of my things ago. too.
0: D- speaking of, did you see this the the Salinger trailer? I did. Yeah, so it looks cool. I thought. It I thought it look looks cool. really cool. The new documentary that the Weinstein brothers actually um, produced is coming out this fall, and the trailer was released last week or so. We can drop that in the show notes too. So that's and Sons by David Gilbert ampersands. Uh, you know mm-hmm.
1: what? That's for your literary fiction. There,
0: folks. okay, all right. What's next? What's next? Next in our, one is, uh, opera? is
1: Grumpy Cat: A Grumpy Book.
0: <laughs> okay, there's no way to segue into that.
1: <laughs> there's not. I mean, Grumpy yeah. Cat requires right. no segue, but this book purports to teach you the fine art of grumpiness and include enough bad attitude to cast a dark cloud over the whole world. <laughs> Classic photos, new photos, and grump inspiring activities and games. Um, I sort of want to see this book just to know what a grump inspiring game is. uh, But I think, you know, Grumpy Cat, it's going to do well. It's probably going to end up in a bunch of stockings come Christmas. And Grumpy Cat did have the longest quote unquote signing line uh, at Book Expo back in May.
0: You know what? That's going to ring somebody's bells, but ain't my bells.
1: Uh, but you know, grumpy yeah, hey, cat.
0: You know, grumpy cat's funny. Gotta give it. Definitely something. a cultural It'll be thing. What they what they put in with that? Because if they do it right, it could be kind of a nice nod and wink sort of situation. Yeah,
1: I think it could be really fun. Um, and I'm you maybe don't need any help with the grumpiness. No, someone, I don't. I need the opposite. <laughs> but someone we need, I a, need happy, a book of pictures of a happy Care Bears. cat. Yeah. <laughs> happy puppy. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> someone make that a
0: optimistic of meme. puppy. <laughs>
1: Uh, So the last one is a paperback release that I think a lot of our uh, Book Riot readers and listeners are going to love. It's called Mr. Darcy's Guide to Courtship, (laughs) Uh, inspired by, of course, Pride and Prejudice, which maybe you pretended to to read, but maybe you loved it. It's um, a tongue-in-cheek courtship advice guide written from the perspective of Mr. Darcy and based on actual Regency-era advice manuals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, it sheds light on you know men and women in the modern age too, apparently on a variety of issues, including what females want. Mm-hmm. the deceptions of beautiful women, and winning their affections, flattery, Making conversation and flirting
0: sounds like a winner. I need this book too.
1: Yeah, and you wrote you wrote a post. You know that what? Was something I, I was, similar. Mister Darcy's guide to, to wooing women. Wooing women. Uh,
0: back in the early days of book writing, because the open secret about Darcy is that he's kind of a D. He's a D. <laughs> Insert whatever you want that to be. Uh, <laughs> and, nice job catching up. It's like Wile E. coyote, like Pull jumping back. over the cliff and then like reaching back over and pulling himself. Uh, you know, he's he says. I don't like you. I wish I didn't like you. Uh, I'm going to do a whole bunch of terrible things, and then mm-hmm. you know you're gonna love me. So
1: it's, yeah, it's sort of the original uh, with negging from that yes. the game uh, where you're you're supposed to make negative comments to women to make right. Or like
0: the um, the uh, grade school equivalent of like dimping, dipping the girls' braids in the inkwell in front of you because you like their sort of situation.
1: People totally use inkwells. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm a little older than you are.
1: (laughs) So those are new books this week. Uh, And son's Grumpy Cat's Grumpy Book and Mr. Darcy's Guide to Courtship. Little something for everybody there.
0: Sweet. Okay. Mm-hmm. So okay. we got a bunch. Let's do some yeah. of these.
1: This next one I think is so smart. So smart. Uh, the Byliner, which is an awesome online, which is an awesome site that collects long form journalism and stories, um, basically nonfiction, all in one place. You can follow your favorite writers. They feature Mary Roach. They featured Margaret Atwood. They feature a ton of journalists. The Byliner has a new iPad app that matches readers with stories based on how much time they have to read. So you can be like, I'm at the DMV. I'm miserable. They told me the line is going to take 35 minutes. And you can put that into the app and it will give you a list of stories to read that should take you about that long to read.
0: That's pretty cool. So smart. Um, I guess I'm not one of these people, but I'm assuming that if this is a thing that people like, that means that people don't like to stop in the middle of something and come back to it later.
1: Yeah, or maybe if you're in, like, when I'm in between books, I read short stories mm. or a lot of articles sometimes. But I was thinking the thing that I would love is if this thing takes off and readers really like it, then could I get some sort of app that will look at all of the books and short stories that I have on my e-reader and then tell me of those what I should pick up in the time that I have? Like, I'm going on ai am mm. going on a, a two-hour flight. Which novel should I pick from the ones that are already available to me? Um so smart!
0: This solves. That's cool.
1: I think you know solves a reader's problem. Yeah,
0: that's cool. And we talked on a previous show that was it. Qantas was going to provide um, first class passengers with. Oh yeah. Books or reading material that is is exactly as long as the flight uh-huh. they were about to take. So this yeah, is kind of a idea. micro version of that because you could uh, in theory it could be twelve you know minutes or twenty five minutes or something yeah. like. that.
1: So if you uh, have an iPad and you like. Nonfiction and long-form journalism. You might mm-hmm. want to check out this new Byliner app. And if you do, tell us how it is.
0: Yeah, do do tell us how it is. Okay, let's go to the next one. Another digital thing. Um, this is about the growth of digital comics. Mm. Um, I am a lapsed and now recovering. Um, let's see. Did that right? I used to read a lot more comics than I did and now I'm back on the comics train a little bit Okay, um, and it is, this is the New York Times a story about Comixology which is a company that has a really great iPad app for buying and reading comics right there um, I have a Retina iPad which is this high resolution uh, the, the high resolution iPad nine and a half, 9.7 inches in diagonal um, screen size, about the size of a comic used to buy at the, at the newsstand um, and this article is talking about how, you know, it solves a real problem for comic books because the, it, it was hard to buy comic books physically, mm-hmm. um, especially the last 10 or 20 years where the specialty stores really shrank down. You had to go out of your way, you often had to drive a long way to find um, a place that would carry your favorite titles. And uh, you, you, if you even had favorite titles, notoriously understocked at um, mainstream bookstores, comic titles. Um, and this is a way that you can have them right on your iPad. It's a great app. It's super easy to use. I warn you, if it is danger us. <laughs> um,
1: Addictive and impulsive yeah, I mean, purchases. Especially if you're a
0: fast reader, you do a lot of reading. Like so um the it was in, for example, so it was announced that the new Avengers movie is gonna be called Age of Ultron, which was a comic arc uh, a few years ago. Um and I went back and read the ten issues that was the age of Ultron. It's not gonna be exactly that, but it's like, they gave me a good reason to go back and read something I missed out on. Each issue is like three bucks you read 10 of them, it takes you a few hours, you see where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of one of those like good, bad, dangerous situations, <laughs> like it's enjoyable, but also you can run through some money right there too. So this is one of those places where digital distribution and eBooks, the comics industry is like doing handstands and backflips of a joy over the distribution problem um, that it solves for them. And Comixology is a great app if you're into comics and have an iOS device. I don't know if it's an Android device, otherwise we can drop a link and you can find out. It's super good. Um, and, and growing it seems, fast.
1: It seems like the comics industry is leading the way. Um, yeah. In a in a lot of it's aspects, so much less on this,
0: to lose. I guess on the conversion
1: yeah. to digital, and especially like now that we have these Retina iPads that can show the artwork um, and make it look just as good on a screen right. as it looks.
0: Absolutely. In a in a printed
1: version, but comics have done a great job with bundling yeah, too, yeah. which is not a thing that um, you know. re- traditional you know liter- literary publishers have solved yet.
0: The only thing I wish this Times article would have talked about is they talk about the growth of the North American market in comics and digital, is that they didn't talk about how this has also coincided with um, the Marvel movies taking off.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: You know, I wonder how much of the growth is now we've got several Marvel and DC. And other comic books franchises being turned into a movie, um, and inspiring people to go back and pick up some of the issues there. So I'd like to know what, how much of that growth is actually the the distribution or how much it was just a huge sort of tidal wave of attention on these comic book characters.
1: Yeah. I don't know how you sort out those yeah, con- I
0: don't like know.
1: conflating
0: I factors. Don't know but I, that's either. worth
1: talking about that we're we're having this big cultural conversation and a moment really for for comic stories. Right. Uh hitting coming into mainstream culture. Like I have never read an actual comic. I'm really new to graphic novels mm-hmm. and I'm figuring out how to, you know, how to read those and which ones I'll enjoy. But um I I know the Avengers by yeah. Yeah, by, by movies, name right. and right and now I'm thinking oh maybe I could read those comics that the next Avengers movie yeah. it, is based on so they really are I think getting new getting readers. new readers
0: that way and me for an example the new movie title even was a spur to get me to go back and read I mean I am yeah. sort of a com- so a casual comic
1: what fan. was it that got you back on the comics train
0: comicsology the the yeah. the the thing you know I didn't have to go hunt down. Um, go to Forbidden Planet in the city or find something where I could go do it. I just, you know, opened up the iPad and I think I got back into it reading um someone recommended this this new run of Batman um the the Night Owl and I got back into it and gave me an excuse to try it out. It's pretty cool, but boy, it can get expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um okay. So that's uh comicsology growing digital comics. Check out that is the number 3 iPad app last year. According oh, nice. To Apple. So it's it's breaking it through to mainstream culture as well.
1: Oh, and that's a nice Venn diagram of tech people, yeah. comics yep. people, people right. who aren't afraid to read digitally.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so we got a couple of Goodreads stories here, interesting ones. Goodreads announced this week that it passed – 20 million registered users holy moly which is a bunch that's um, a lot doubling in the last year so i guess we can that's maybe right the interesting off the, part uh, there people are gonna flee because they got bought by amazon yeah story um So good on them. Hey, you know what? You build something that readers like and you do well. Everyone in publishing should be thrilled that things like this exist.
1: Yeah, and with these 20 million members, they've published more than 25 million
0: reviews. Talk to me about that number.
1: I think that I mean, okay, so this is interesting. Like yeah. that there are twenty million members, but the thing I always want to know when people start talking about their number of users is what percentage of those users are active. Right. And I guess, you know, the industry, like sort of the standard for anything is that about twenty percent of your users are gonna be the people who do eighty percent of your your traffic or your action. So mm-hmm. those of those twenty million, what maybe four million? Are yeah. doing the heavy lifting,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which makes like four million people writing a total of twenty-five million reviews would still mean Only something about like six
0: each, right? Six
1: each, yeah. and I don't think that's the way it is. It seems to me that there's an even smaller percentage right. of power Goodreads users who are writing reviews of everything that they read, probably in the neighborhood of like between fifty and a hundred books a year, right? Um, yeah, good like a Goodreads power user is a power user I um, guess and a power also... reader.
0: I guess the other the other metrics that we're not getting in the story that I'm linking to on TechCrunch, and maybe it's in the press release from Goodreads. I, I haven't looked at it, but um, I didn't see it mentioned anywhere. Maybe people are also adding books to their to be read lists or their red lists.
1: Yeah, and I, rating I
0: think, star ratings.
1: Right. The the number right that got pulled out in this TechCrunch piece and from the press release is the the 20 million users and 25 million book reviews. But I think. Um, a lot of people are using Goodreads just to track what they want to read and what they have mm-hmm. read um, without doing without doing any reviewing and maybe without even doing star ratings, um, at least if the example use cases from readers that, that we know and from our contributors hold true. Right. Um, a lot of them keep track their TBR list on Goodreads, yeah. and that's all they use it for. But that's a great way to use Goodreads. They're, they have a good functionality there. And um, Otis Chandler, who's the creator says in this piece that um, they've seen a ton of mobile growth, which makes Makes a lot of sense to me. You're like standing in the bookstore wanting to read something, but maybe not to buy it right now. So you can add it to your Goodreads. List and have a note of it later, or you're not sure if you want to buy the thing, so you can turn to Goodreads and see what the average star rating is. Um, Goodreads has certainly worked to create what feels like a community to the people who use it actively, which is not a thing that you get at other online book reviewing sites. Right um, yeah. You know, library thing does the same thing. But it's not like if I go to Amazon to see what the average star rating is, I don't feel like that's a community of readers that I know or could connect with. Yeah. Um, but people, you know, pull up their phones and look at these star ratings on Goodreads to help them decide what to buy. Um, so
0: the other, st- I just drilled down a little yeah. bit into this. So the the stat is, one more stat they give is um, readers have added more than 600 million books to their shelves. So that's a number we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. That be- And that's, I think, you know that's where the big um, silent majority of people are using Goodreads for because that means the average user has thirty books on their shelves, yeah um, and I would imagine that some of those users i'm a a good case, frankly, I logged in, I used it a little bit to try to check it out. I don't really use it that much anymore. I probably have four or five books on my shelves as I was trying to figure out what they were doing mm-hmm. so probably if you if you took out some percentage of those twenty million users, like the bottom ten percent that registered and now are gone, your average number. Goes way up. Um, thinking about it that way, so the, the long story short is, people like Goodreads are using. It. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, and good, yeah on, good on, good on them. Goodreads. I, I think it's great to have a, a place online to track things, and I use Goodreads when I'm looking for similar titles to something that I've already mm-hmm. read. I don't think. Um, well, in general, the search engines are, are terrible, terrible for terrible. you know the uh, people who read this also bought these other things is not the same as yeah, here I have are a books post
0: I've been working on for a long time about that. I'll publish yeah, basically.
1: it's just not the same as here are books that are like the book you just finished, and Goodread's um recommendation engine seems to be a little bit better at people who liked X also liked y.
0: Are you ready for a beautiful segue?
1: Give me something so, beautiful. This is as
0: beautiful as Greg Luganin is off the springboard here. So the thing that this data allows them to do Goodreads. 600 million books added is our next story, which is... So
1: much juicy data.
0: The Goodreads released on July 20th. Maybe it was released before this, but I think this was kind of a mid-year thing. Um, The most popular books published in 2013, according to Goodreads users. So this is just raw numbers, people adding these books to their shelves. That's how they're measuring popularity. Mm -hmm. Um, And they did the top 200 And let's go through them one. (laughs) So uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. The number one most popular book of 2013 is a book that hasn't even come out yet.
1: It's Allegiant by Veronica Roth, which is the third in her very popular Divergent series, which is being made into a series of films as well. Yeah. 125,000 people have added this to their shelves. And it's not day.
0: even out. It comes out in October, apparently. It's
1: not. And to my knowledge, galleys are of not, this thing. were like, aren't
0: there. and there were big posters and stuff, but you couldn't get a galley boy.
1: Right, but you it's been find it. it's been rated by almost three thousand people. <laughs> right,
0: four point six one stars. Uh, anyway. To a book
1: I haven't read yet.
0: To a book I haven't uh, read yet. But so. if most
1: popular is measured by how many people yeah. have it on their shelves, and and presumably a lot of these are to be read shelves, right? Uh, then Allegiant, you know, number one. Uh, the Clockwork Princess by Cassandra Clare, which is the third book in her Infernal Devices series, uh, is comes in second. Um, it's been added by 120, almost 125,000 yeah. readers. Uh, interesting that the top two are both YA titles. Well, look
0: at the top 20. Yeah. If you look at this, there are so YA. many YA and in series.
1: Uh, but our boy, Dan uh, Brown. There he is, D.B., <laughs> Number three for Inferno, added by 116,000 people. And
0: then number four, I guess, what you'd call the first mainstream sort of book, right? Yeah,
1: Khaled Hosseini's uh, And the echoed. Mountains
0: Echoed. And then let's see. Let's just scroll down. and um, oh, we've
1: got number six, Entwined With You by Sylvia Day. Um, oh, she yeah. owes all of her success to the popularity of EL James right. or most of it
0: our boy Neil Gaiman number, at eight. number 8 Ocean at the end of the lane
1: Jody Pico at number 9
0: Life after life by Kate Atkinson
1: mm-hmm. uh, so we've got 10. some adult titles here in the top yeah. 10
0: um, the Fifth Wave, number 13. I keep hearing about this book.
1: I do, too. It's one of those that like, I keep hearing about the book, but I have no idea what this yeah, book is Yeah, I have
0: no idea. Uh, D- Dave Sedaris, Let's Explore Diabetes with Owls at number 17.
1: Ah, uh, Cheryl Sandberg, Lean In at 19.
0: Yeah, there it is. And there's um, Meg
1: Wallitzer's uh, The Interestings at number 22, which is
0: just...
1: a terrific
0: book. Um.
1: And number twenty five is Scarlet by Marissa Mayer. Yeah, let's see. I'm gonna just scroll down to fifty. A lot
0: of these books I haven't heard of that are parts of series I haven't heard of just shows you how to touch them. Oh, Joyland. Stephen King, number forty.
1: Ah. That's
0: interesting. Um, and let's see what number fifty is.
1: Splintered. Number, f-
0: <laughs> number one in the Splintered series. I'm gonna I'm you're gonna be shocked to hear that it's a, uh, <laughs> y- that a it's tile. white title. Yeah, so we'll drop a link here. You can uh this is interesting. If you're looking for some stuff to read, that's kind of a as see what other people are interested in. Um, that's interesting data. And you know what? I love that Goodreads does stuff like this um, and print and makes some of the pieces of the data they have at their disposable available because that's really mm-hmm. interesting stuff and stuff you couldn't really get, you know, four or five years ago because the best-selling books don't tell you this kind of stuff. Because of right. the people who are going to borrow it or buy it used or check it out from the library or a whole right. bunch of Right, yeah. Lists. It seems like
1: this is a really good measure of interest in the yeah. title rather than just assuming that number of books bought at a specific moment conveys yeah. the, the, the level of I'd be interested interest. at the end of the
0: year if they do a similar list that's people that's marked as read, like what mm-hmm. books in 23 were actually read the most. I'm, I'm sure it, a lot of it would look like this, but there'd probably be some divergence <laughs> uh Ooh, hey there. <laughs> <laughs> uh from
1: uh
0: from from that particular list. So Yeah, that's
1: a Venn diagram I'd like to see. Yeah,
0: let's do that. Okay, you do the next one cuz you dropped this one and okay. I didn't look at this so you, I'm cool.
1: This is on my list, you know, we try to do cool tech things yes. that that people are um are doing for ebooks and so there is a service called Tomely, T O M E L Y, it's tomely.com. Um they call it a zeitgeisty books bundle. So here's the deal. You pay what you want for an ebook bundle. Um, um, all of the ebooks are DRM free. Um, They're stories about startups, stories about geekdom, strange sides of the internet. There's sort of a little bit of everything um, in these ebook bundles, which is a nice thing about a bundle in general. You can cl- you can just try a bunch of stuff. So you pay what you want, and a portion of these proceeds go to charity. Um, plus, if you pay more than ten dollars, you unlock four bonus ebooks. I like that. Yeah, 25% um, of the cost goes to cover Tomley's costs and the rest um, goes to... Okay, so after processing the donations to charity, they take 25% to cover their cost and then they pass on the rest to writers and publishers. So writers and publishers are getting things. 10% of all the money that comes in goes to the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, which is the charity. Um, I guess these Tomley guys are Australian. And you got DRM free. So you can support literacy. You can pay what you want. You can try new writers. I think this is good stuff.
0: Cool. Um, Several. Story Bundle doesn't have the charity component right now, but Humble Bundle does. If you guys have Mm -hmm. heard of Humble Bundle, they do a similar kinds of thing. I think that one's even a little more skewed towards charity, if, if memory serves.
1: Yeah, it is. And I think the pay what you want aspect is really interesting. Yeah,
0: I also like the kind of... A freemium is a word used around apps where you get it for mm. free, but then you pay something on top of it to unlock something else. I, I think that model for books uh, might be pretty interesting as as well to get people to try something. And then if they're into it, buy it or buy yeah. more of it or buy extra on top of it. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, com. T-O-M-E-L-Y. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Com. And now we have the feel-good story. Oh
0: man, I was just of the week. At this. Man, this
1: thing is so. We should
0: end. With, we great. should end with this. I, you know, bad job, Rebecca. and Jeff. <laughs> bad job, organization. B- bad. Bad job, BR. Um. <laughs> so, two elementary school kids from California, um, wrote a book of 158 rules for being a kid, basically. Mm-hmm. Um. And did they do it as part of National Novel Writing Month? Was they that, did. They, yeah, yeah so of National, last, last November. Yeah, 158 rules. They lost it. They wrote mm-hmm. it in a spiral bound book um, because apparently they were kids in the 80s. Um, <laughs> and they lost it at a, at a Walmart when they were out shopping and an employee found it and a local radio station heard about it and it became a thing.
1: It's a thing. And now they have a publishing deal. And
0: now deal. they have a publishing deal.
1: Yeah, they are eight and 10-year-old cousins, Illabella, Isabella Thordson and Isabel Busath. Yeah. And they're a little book of rules, things like Don't Bite the Dentist.
0: Yeah, and No Pretending to Drown. <laughs> right. I need this book. I'm going to tattoo this <laughs> to my kids. There you go. Yeah.
1: Uh, rules for Kids by Kids. And now they have a publishing yeah, deal with cool. Simon and Schuster.
0: It has the, the book will have actual pages of the book the kids themselves, the girls themselves wrote. Um, they had a little interview and mm-hmm. a couple of things they said, a lot of people are going to be saying, Oh my gosh, these are some girls. <laughs> oh, Cause you know what, you know what we're doing right now?
1: That's oh my what we're gosh. Saying. Oh my right. gosh. Uh, and Isabel says, if I knew this would have been published, I would have wrote a little neater. <laughs> So they're so cute. The book comes out in October. It's available for pre-order online now. So we'll drop the story into the show notes. But if you just, I think if you just need like a warm fuzzy moment, or really if there's a kid in your life Mm -hmm. who is you know like the kids that we were writing pretend books in their room, um, this would be a great maybe a great holiday gift for those kids that you can you can do this. You can get published. About
0: these girls. I want a book about this story as a kid's book. See what I did there?
1: Mm -hmm. You want meta.
0: I want meta. Cause like, I'm sure the 150 or there's more now there's, they've added some rules to the original 158, but like the story of them, like writing it together and losing it. And
1: yeah, I want somebody to like follow them on their inevitable book tour and make a documentary. Yes.
0: Of it. Yes. Yes. Or like it'd be, it make a great musical, right? Like, like oh, Matilda, like these. Oh,
1: tiny... this is so great.
0: There we go. Okay. And let's end the show. <laughs> <Let's> end <laughs> we the
1: show. Ha- can someone please make this happen? Yeah, I know. Us?
0: Okay. Uh, so
1: you want to do yeah. audible should we talk about audible
0: yeah audible.com yeah The second sponsor audible.com over a hundred thousand audiobooks um every genre you could want they works on your iphone your ipad you can listen to it on your computer whatever android device you have more than 500 devices it's compatible with um you can, if you want to try it out if you've never tried an audiobook. It feels like there's a lot of juice around audiobooks right now. I think it's because people are carrying smartphones in their pocket. It's a little easier to get than when you would get, you know, The Lord of the Rings on CD and it would come and you'd be like 70 CDs. Did you ever do that as a kid or like as a car trip or something?
1: I did. I don't even remember what the thing was, but we did long car trips when I was a kid. And we checked out
0: audiobooks
1: on tape from the library. And there would be like... 40
0: tapes. You need like an extra suitcase just for the tapes. <laughs>
1: right. right. And it was fun, but like 40 tapes for real. And I they're know. if you buy audiobooks, they're super expensive oh, as CDs. They but
0: <laughs> they were so bad.
1: And they're expensive now. Like if you if you walk into a bookstore, but yeah. um, audible.com, you can get a free trial. Yeah, um, if you want audible trial.com forward slash book riot, not available on the Audible homepage. Um and it's I think your regular subscription is fourteen ninety-five a month for one credit, which is a really super good deal um, for a digital audiobook compared to what you're gonna pay for a CD. Yeah, you got me it's it's to a recommend a
0: really good deal. I, I recommended last week um, So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. I just finished that. I really liked it. It's like, you know what I was thinking about? It's kind of like an antidote to and in fact he talks about the book, he sort of builds the book against the uh, what color is your parachute. Oh, interesting! You know, kind of that whole era of like, who moved my cheese that I learned about in kindergarten while I was eating soup for the soul, you know, those kinds of things. <laughs> um, well, this one's very much like looking at some data, there's some science, there's like some real talk about like, you know, basically, it's arguing against the follow your bliss mm-hmm. mode of career organization. Like skills are more valuable. Sk- yeah. Than passion. Well, not only that, but like, and I think this is how I pitched it last time, it's like the things that you like you're probably actual, actually sort of good at already. <laughs> um, and you probably like them because you got good at them um, for some reason. Maybe your parents were into it or something else. And it gives a lot of examples. And it's kind of in the Seth Godin mold. You know, there's, okay. there's, there's anecdotes from people's lives mixed in with a little bit of like very lightweight neuroscience and things like that. But I really like that. But I heard about one that I think we might do when we go to um, – on our beach um, disaster, I mean vacation, uh, a little bit later this summer, driving down North Carolina. Apparently, Kate Winslet narrates a version of Matilda. Oh, which sounds like just a delight.
1: That sounds perfect. So,
0: if you've got kids in a road trip, you might check that one out. So, go to audibletrialcom right? You can get a free audiobook, free 30-day trial, see if it's right for you. I think it's one of those things that if audiobooks are a thing for you, they really make your life better. <laughs> honestly, mm-hmm. um, it's a lot of fun. All right. Veronica Mars, this the, the cult classic TV show, I guess we got to say now. People love People their Veronica, Veronica Mars. Mars. Um, recently, there was a Kickstarter. They're making another movie. That's not what this is about. Rob Thomas, not the guy from Matchbox 20. <laughs> <laughs> the creator and showrunner of Veronica Mars announced last week that there's going to be a series of Veronica Mars, officially sanctioned Veronica Mars novels. Oh, fun. That he's going to, I don't think write, but like, creatively direct or something like that, Interesting. Um, which I think is a very cool idea because you and I are both the TV fans. Oh, yeah. We like the TV. Um, and tell me right now, you wouldn't read a couple of follow-up Friday Night Lights novels.
1: Oh, my gosh. Or like a whole Roger Sterling series. Uh, yeah, right.
0: Seriously. Mm-hmm. Or what's Sal doing right now?
1: Yeah, right. Like, I would love a, some Mad Men spinoffs. Yeah. I would love some, like, Walter White, Jesse Pinkman, Breaking Bad books. Yeah, or go yeah. a little bit
0: lighter. I want a little Luke and Lorelei after mm-hmm. that show ends, you know? little
1: Gilmore follow-up. Yeah, up.
0: so – we get we have so much affection for these TV characters. You know, we build up relationships with the show and the characters and the actors over time, and then the show ends and there's nowhere for it to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is an I think this is a cool idea to see. I mean, it may not do anything. It, it may be really popular. Um, you know, I'd watch some West Jimmy Smith's West Wing. Yeah. You know, follow up. How's that mm-hmm. going there? Uh, you know, we've still got some Josh and Donna stuff to figure. Out. Anyway, you know where I'm going with this.
1: Mm-hmm. But this is fun. Of, I think. I think this I think, is
0: really cool.
1: Right. Just sort of rest of the story. Yeah, and pieces. I don't know. Be great.
0: I don't know if there have been barriers to doing this kind of thing before now, or if digital books make this easier, or maybe creative people are just thinking more creatively about what they can do with their properties. Yeah, I think um, that's it. But this is cool, and I hope to see more of this. So, if you're a Veronica Mars fan. Um, Well, you're clearly a book fan or else you are on the wrong podcast. (laughs) You are in the wrong
1: place, my friend. Uh,
0: I don't know what you were expecting, but uh, welcome aboard. Uh, This sounds like something that would be pretty cool. It's going to come out next year sometime. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess each one of them will be sort of like a standalone mystery. So it'll be kind of like a Neo-Nancy Drew situation with Veronica Mars as the main character. Yeah, girl detective. Girl detective. So that's cool. I, I may actually... Were you a Veronica Mars person? I wasn't.
1: It's a scary thing I've never seen it. So it's not like no. I uh, I didn't watch it and decide that I didn't like no. it. I've just never got into Veronica Mars. And that's a uh, it's a thing I'm a little bit afraid to admit to the <laughs> internet right now.
0: Right, right. right. <laughs> well, I mean, don't say you didn't watch Buffy
1: so <laughs> No, so. but could uh, could someone please do a Dawson's Creek book series? Oh, there you please? go. That's I would good. just read the crap out of that.
0: <laughs> Joey and Pacey in the city? Yeah. I know enough to make that reference, but I'm out. I Joey,
1: I think out. she grows up to be a book editor. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's all
1: like all the things I like in one place. Uh, so my, since we're doing like a lightning round yeah. and I have a bunch of fun stories, theomnivore.com is a literary site out of London, and they have started a bookish dating service Sweet. called the Omnivore Pinup, uh, where you take a little shot of yourself holding a book. So you are a bookish pinup, and you write a short description. And you can connect online from their basically a bulletin board with other bookish people who are looking for dates. So on the homepage right now, there's um, a 25 year old named Natasha. Um, she's a librarian. She has a penchant for older Hungarian men. Uh, there's a 23 year old named Henry who describes himself as a dreamy writer and journalist and has a penchant for American women writers.
0: Boy, this he- is going to be. This is going to have more uses of the word penchant than any. Website <laughs> in the
1: history of um, right. Uh, we've got a <laughs> right a landlord at a legendary uh, bar who is a no nonsense herbivore and keeps the private eye squad, whatever that means. What? I don't know, but I think this is great. That's fun. Yeah, this it's. I think this is the not the first time we've seen like literary online dating. Yeah, there was
0: another thing I don't remember. And um,
1: our friends at Word Bookstore in Brooklyn have an IRL version of this that is a bulletin board in their store where you fill out like I'm a 30 year old woman who loves uh, literary fiction and can't stand dudes who like Jonathan Franzen. And you put it on you put it on board with your email address. And uh, they can, uh, and if you are a dude who fits the bill and uh, think that I might be looking for you, you can respond to me. Um, so cool. And there were some like real life couples that have met from that. So I think this omnivore thing, it's fun. I hope it I, works.
0: I hope people find it useful. On, like, I think
1: if one couple, like yeah, right, if one if one couple gets you know matched up, and some other people go on fun like bookstore dates. I'll be happy with that outcome.
0: There's going to be some lying going on about books there, boy. Speaking oh, of lying yeah. about books. <laughs> right. You add in some uh, dating profiles and it's
1: <laughs> – you know, People are just notoriously truthful know, on their dating know, the, profiles. D- the
0: dissimulation will be uh, pretty severe there. Oh, let's do birthdays, man.
1: Who do we have this week? Oh, we got ladies, hey, ladies this week. Ladies. It's ladies. Yay, it's ladies. ladies
0: week. And the timing's right. Um <laughs> Beatrix Potter, born July 28th, eighteen sixty-six. Oh wow. Over in Merry Old England.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um interesting woman, man. I can see why they made that very terrible movie about
1: her. Oh, with Renee Zellweger? Did you watch that? It was bad. Did you, you watch it? I I, did. I saw
0: the trailer and I was like, oh, that's such an interesting story, but there's no way I'm watching that.
1: It's a sad story, but there's,
0: there's a lot of interesting stuff about that. She was like a mushroom expert, a mycologist, and came from a well-to-do family and was tutored and very into science and drawing. And you can might imagine that her interest in the natural sciences and drawing helps you when you're writing bunny stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but she would make up stories for um, the kids in her, in her life. And apparently, one of the sons of her governess, who she was very close to, the, her governess's family, became ill and was telling a bunch of stories. And, you know, from she was a big reader of classical antiquity and fairy tales, ran out of all of those. So she made up some. And she made up these characters, Flopsy Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter, um, for the ill son. His name was Noel. Um, eventually, she turned that into an illustrated book, And she tried to get a publisher. Children's books, I guess this was around 1900, were becoming a thing. Mm. And so she shopped around, didn't find a publisher, but she decided to self-publish it basically for her friends and family. Nice. And it found its way from friends and family into the hand of a publisher and got published. Um, And so began the Beatrix Potter Empire. Yeah, seriously. She was one of the first authors to license the rights to her characters for other products, dolls, other kinds of books, calendars, things like that. She made a fortune. Um, And started buying up land around her family estate uh, with those proceeds, a lover of the natural world, to preserve some of this English hill country. And now that estate that she bought, she left to the National Trust, and it makes up a large national park um, in England. That's great. So she's amazing. I I, I don't know. There's probably a really good, interesting Beatrix Potter biography that I I think I'm going to have to read someday because there's just a lot of pieces to the story. Um, So that's Beatrix Potter. Emily Bronte born July 30th, 1818. Um, there's a lot of sad Bronte stories.
1: I sort of feel like Bronte ladies are the saddest ones. Yeah, ladies. they
0: really are. And I'm not going to do that because, you know, you've been there and done that. Uh, Bronte, but this is, is kind of a segue from Potter. Bronte, Emily Bronte was a animal lover herself. There's like these sort of post-humus stories about her, like, being Snow White and talking to birds sort of out in the field. Um, but one story I was reading about that I thought was especially interesting was she was walking along the um, the road as you do when you're in the early 19th century England and she came up to a dog who appeared sick and apparently it was rabbit and it bit her. Oh no. Um, and she got home and rather than tell anyone about this dog or going to the doctor, she hated doctors Ultimately, it cost her life, but that's a Sorry, I'm, I'm approaching that's the sadness. That's a sad story. I'm approaching the sadness. She got a hot poker from the fire and cauterized the wound right on her arm by herself.
1: Whoa. Okay, tough, now that's badass.
0: Tough Bronte. That is tough Bronte. Whoa. So that's Emily.
1: I wondered what that story was going to be because yeah. your your notes just say "story of rabid dog and poker," and I've been you know anxiously waiting for this there show you know. to find out what she was going to do. To I thought she was going to do something terrible to the dog with the poker. So I am pleased that it's more that Emily Bronte is
0: like a superhero. <laughs> so those are happy birthdays to Emily Bronte and Beatrix Potter, both of whom we can confirm are dead. Uh, they are dead. Both dead. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's. We got three let's, quick things. Uh, okay. All these are kind of fun. Um, I added this one in the movie trailer this week for Saving Mr. Banks, starring Tom Hanks and Emma Thompson, which is apparently the story of Walt Disney trying to convince. Oh, and I lost her name. It fell out of my brain. The woman who wrote uh, Mary Poppins. Oh, come on, come on, brain.
1: Come oh, on. I can't help you here.
0: Okay, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna to go All
1: through. I can think about is Tom Hanks's weird mustache in
0: this trailer. It terrible. <laughs> Well, in all fairness, Walt Disney had a really terrible... Creepy- that's true. P.L. Travers. Thank you. Google. Um, it's the Speaking story- of
1: lady writers who Sp- go by
0: initials. Yes, that's yeah. right. I wonder if that was the same reason. Anyway, we'll go back. Uh, the story of Walt Disney trying to convince P.L. Travers to adopt uh, adapt Mary Poppins into a movie because apparently Disney promised his daughter that he would someday. Hmm. Um, and this story, the story, the trailer, you know, it looks delightful. Again, it's a Disney production of a Walt Disney... F- Story, so I'm expecting incisive critique of children's.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's not like they have a dog in this fight, (laughs) yeah,
0: right. But anyway, it looks a lot of fun. All the more Emma Thompson, the better. As far as I'm concerned, um, playing a cranky British woman who doesn't like Americans. So and you know what, I'm in. I'm in. And for it that. comes
1: out when in the fall. In the
0: fall. In the this fall. This is
1: perfect. My, uh, this is perfect for your family holiday movie. Yeah. Outing.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I always love those Mary Poppins books. Uh, even I love the movie. Mm -hmm. Forget about them. I mean, the movie's great. But I turned to the books when I was like, I think when I was 10 or 11, and they're much darker Mm -hmm. and creepier, and which I thought was great. Um, So, anyway, Look for that. The trailer is a lot of fun, and you know, kind of a a good holiday family movie that has a vaguely bookish, eh, a little stronger than vaguely bookish connection. Um, Speaking of things with vaguely bookish connections,
1: and but that are not at all family friendly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The least family friendly thing we'll likely talk about.
1: Uh, Chuck Palahniuk announced this week that is how I'm going to pronounce Uh, his name. So who knows, but that's what I'm going with. Uh, Announced this week that there is going to be a sequel to Fight Club, which is interesting because like. Talk about a huge reveal! Yeah, uh, in a story in in the original Fight Club, but the sequel is going to be a graphic novel.
0: I think this is cool. I like this, this. is cool, and yeah. it feels
1: like the world is of Fight Club is so gritty and gross, and uh, it's fight scenes. I feel like you can just...
0: see this graphic novel. Like I don't know what this story, but like I can feel like what the the tenor of the right. I can I can see
1: this be. working. Like maybe there will be drawings of Brad Pitt's hip bones. Yeah. Maybe. I would read that, but I think
0: spoiler alert too. Like at the end of Fight Club, like they do the big thing that they're trying to do. Right. And so like some aftermath of that would be cool to see. Yeah, some fallout. I is think this dystopian? Be, Are we dystopian world or did it not right. go as well? And I, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I, think I think I'll probably be, pick these up. Or and, you know what? I'm gonna look at the reviews and if they're not bad, I'll probably pick it
1: up. Right. And I should I haven't read Fight Club. I saw ah. the you know, I saw the movie before yeah. I knew it like I didn't even know it was based on a book when I first saw that film mm-hmm. when I was in high school and have always sort of told myself like, well, I know what the big secret is, so reading the book maybe wouldn't be as sad satisfying, like which is also part of the reason that Jane Eyre never worked for me was that I knew what the secret uh, was going to be. But I think I may have to go back and read Fight Club and then prepare myself for the the sequel. I read the
0: book shortly after I saw the movie when it was in the theater. And my memory was they did a pretty good job with the movie from the book. So I don't (laughs) know what you're going to pick up there. You know, I mean, it's good. I mean, the style is a lot of the same. They use a lot of the same, the voiceover. You know, in the movie, a lot of that's right from the book, so it feels yeah. very, feels very much, very much like the book. So that's that's a cool story. And we're going to end on on silliness.
1: We are going to end on silliness this week on Reddit. Uh, a redditor challenged his fellow uh, Reddit users, to summarize the plot of Fifty Shades of Grey as if they were Dr. Seuss. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, first of all, I love the person who came up with this idea. That's so great. Good job, dude.
0: Good job, dude.
1: A Redditor uh, who goes by the username Trace of Base, also, I love that, Uh, did it and did it amazingly. Um, We'll link to the whole thing, but here's the start. Ready, Jeff?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna sound the buzzer when we um, we're running into. Um, I'll, MS- I'll stop. F-K. I'll stop before we get yeah, to okay, not great.
1: safe for kids language. Here there are spoilers of a lewd little tale about a man named Christian, his last name, not Bale. Oh, the places you'll go under whip doozles and chain flams into cross whistles and jim jams <laughs> into bondage and bruising and handcuffs and lugrams. <laughs> Miss Steele, you see, was a prudish young lass met a man named Gray who laid claim to her.
0: That's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's so much fun. There's a couple so other great. attempts in the thread to link the, to the...
1: whole thing. Is I'm it's hysterical. Um, if someone would do like a funny picture book version yes. of Fifty Shades of Grey with We've the Doctor Seuss self-published that shiz, I will buy it.
0: That is that is an awesome place to end the show. Yes. I am Jeff O'Neill, and I'm on Twitter at Reading Ape.
1: I am Rebecca Shinsky, and I am on Twitter at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y.
0: You can find show notes at uh, bookriot.com slash category slash podcast. Thanks so much to our sponsors this week, audible.com and Brilliance by Marcus Sakey. Check that out. sounds pretty fun. Uh, you can email us with all of your mispronunciations, quibbles at podcast at bookriot.com, Facebook Book Riot, Twitter Book Riot. I, you know what I was going to do? you got another podcast you do. Let's plug that.
1: Oh, yeah. Is that for, okay? It is. Well, sure. I'll plug it. Yeah. Uh, for the last almost three years, I've uh, been on a twice a month podcast called Book Bookrageous with two of my very best bookish friends. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at Bookrageous, which spelled exactly the way it sounds, and bookrageous.tumblr.com for all of our show notes.
0: I listen to every episode. And basically, the way the the Format of the show is the first half of the show you talk, you guys talk about what you've been reading,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and you guys read a lot, so there's a lot of good stuff. there. It's just a
1: big geeky book club, yeah. Is- and,
0: and then the second half, you usually pick a topic or a theme
1: mm-hmm.
0: and talk about something related to, you know, books you loved as a kid or short stories or much more thematically based. So if you like this podcast and you like Rebecca, go check that one out. And if you don't like Rebecca. And you still are interested in books. So go check that one out, too. Yeah,
1: there's still two other people two who other are people smart and interested. Actually,
0: you actually get like 17% less Rebecca on that show than this <laughs> Right, time.
1: there's a little bit less me. Yeah. Uh, and if you like this show or you have thoughts about it, we would love to hear them, either podcast at bookriot.com or if you would take a moment to rate and review the show on iTunes, it helps other listeners to find it in iTunes' magical podcast yeah. recommending algorithm. And we do read all the reviews. We've taken some listener suggestions for how to improve the show and the show notes. So uh, leave us your notes and we will take them to heart.
0: Okay. Yeah, so uh, did you say the name Bookrageous. Book Rages? Book Rages R A G E O U S. That is it. Go find it. Thanks so much for listening guys. Rebecca, I will talk to you next week. All right, have a good one.